0: Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I get a chance to sit down with a old friend—not old, but a friend I've known for a long time, <laughs> uh, Peter Anderson, who is a freelance automotive journalist um, of quite uh, some renown. Welcome, Peter. <laughs> I hope I'm of some some renown. Well, um, yes, I think uh, you get your name out there quite a lot, uh, <laughs> attached to a whole lot of uh, stories about uh, motor vehicles. Well, I'm
1: an attention whore, so that probably helps. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But it's interesting, isn't it, because uh, it's one category of uh, business that mm. is really going through some disruption, as they say. Huge transformation. Yeah, because of... Te- one is technology. Mm. The other is, uh, you know, the, the way technology is impacting on people th- the way people think about cars. Yeah,
1: and the way people... Like, everything from start to finish about tech, including, you know, people sitting on the train watching car videos right through to what's in that car what powers that car do you plug this car in or do you fill it with fuel like the whole right across the range from the second someone wakes up one morning and says i want to buy a car
0: it's completely different to when you or i bought our first cars 20 25 years ago well i bought mine off my father (laughs) and he was going to trade it in he said if you pay the trade in price i bought a lovely type 3 volkswagen station wagon off my father probably still going somewhere it is. I, in fact, uh, he was very disappointed because when I sold it about five years later, I got more money than, uh, than he sold it to me for and he tried to get me to pay the difference.
1: Uh, are you sure? You're not my that's not, that's not my dad, is it? They sound like the same.
0: I think all dads are the
1: same. <laughs> yeah, what right. was your first car? It was a 1979 Honda Accord SJ, was the code, and it was a three-door hatchback. And nice. it was great. 800 bucks I paid for it, and that's... Uh, that was because it had a years, Rego.
0: Now, it's interesting because uh, uh, my uh, grown up daughters, who should be in the car market, mm. are not interested in a motor vehicle at all. No, in fact, they're not. I offered them my father's car because he's got to the stage of life that. Uh, Let's say it would be hazardous to himself and others <laughs> if he got behind the wheel. But um, he's got a, a lovely uh, Subaru Liberty that's about 12 years oh, old. Oh, lovely. Driven by an old man. Yes. In Ballarat. Um, oh, okay, to the Shotsdam back. And um, he, uh, he is wanting to part with it. Mm. And they're not interested in any sort of motor vehicle because they say it's largely irrelevant mm. to, to their the life. Thing.
1: Yeah, I mean... So particularly inner-city dwelling kids, and when I say kids, I mean anyone under 21, it, it, it's it's an expense. Mm. They have expenses we didn't have. And again, this is, again, how technology impacted our lives. We didn't have mobiles when we bought our first car. We needed them because they were always breaking down, <laughs> or mine was anyway. Um, but they didn't have all of these extra demands on their income because income, I think, for that age hasn't really grown that much.
0: No, you know, entry in incomes reality. are pretty much the same. Yeah, as they yeah. Were,
1: yeah. So there's all these other things they've got to pay for or want to pay for, and a car is now sixth, seventh on the list. So... Yeah, I mean, gonna,
0: I'm, yeah, I'm sure, um, you yeah. know, that you were the same. The car was the, for me, that step of, you know, it was freedom. Yeah. You could actually get in the car and drive wherever you wanted. Wherever I wanted. And if it was yours, you didn't have to ask to borrow the keys. <laughs> uh, a futile... Not, a futile, not the kings would. Well, yeah.
1: a futile gesture in our house, <laughs> no, it was the answer.
0: But, but yeah. that, you know, perhaps freedom is the, the mobile phone or the internet. Or, well, I
1: think it is because you can organise yourself onto a tram with your mates or a train or a bus or whatever it is, whereas you couldn't before. You you had to kind of say, I'll come and pick you up or you come to mine and and, and then you didn't want to be where you were and you took off. And I think also c- culturally we've changed. But, yeah, I, I think technology has certainly changed that aspect of it is that that's what they're spending their money on. Mm. It's a huge industry and people like Apple and Samsung are making a killing on the fact that people aren't spending a thousand bucks on a car, they're spending it on a phone.
0: It, uh, it's interesting because the book um, Marketing to Millennials yeah. says that the hierarchy of needs for the millennial at the very base says Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Even, <laughs> even before food, clothing, <laughs> yeah. uh, shelter and warmth is Wi-Fi is the base need. And that's the first thing my son
1: looks at. He's 15. It's the first thing my son looks at when I say, oh, you know, we're going to go to Canberra for a couple of days, whatever it is, you know, we've got a yeah. car we want to take for a drive We go to Canberra or, or something like that. And the first thing he does is check if it's got Wi-Fi or if we're going to katoomba for a drive because we'll go up to katoomba for a coffee and he says oh i'm not coming why there's no wi-fi in- oh right okay right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, like that. it's
1: that fundamental
0: and yet you would have to say compared to the new cars we were looking at well you know let's say 20 years ago mm. cars today have so much more technology built into them don't they
1: yeah and for the same dollar value or even less yeah in I mean, real
0: terms it's probably less well it's
1: way less so so you bought a Hyundai Excel for thirteen nine ninety when I was twenty. Mm. You can now buy a Hyundai Accent with Apple CarPlay, airbags, ABS, all that stuff, for thirteen nine ninety. Yeah, like it's the same. So in real terms, it's probably six grand, seven. Well,
0: grand. they say money doubles every ten years. So so it's actually it's three four grand. Yeah, yeah. So it's nothing.
1: Ridiculously cheap. It is. It is. It's dirt cheap. And. Um, that again is as a result of technology because the cost to make cars has fallen dramatically with automation and um, uh, which is a, a disruptive and globali- element globalisation. and globalization yeah i mean the hyundai accent comes from india yeah the hyundai excel came from korea which and, is a and more mexico and mexico uh, oh. and yeah
0: the uh, tiguan is out of mexico I yeah think. yeah
1: uh, a lot of uh, some um, uh, a lot of V-dubs come out of Mexico. You've got South Africa, Thailand, Malaysia. DRB Highcom is a contractor mm. to major manufacturers. Alfa Romeos come out of Thailand. Yeah, there's all sorts of cheap places where where these things are coming from, and that's you know that's not a, a commonly known thing, and people don't lift the bonnet and check the the compliance plate because the cars are the same no matter where they come from. Yeah,
0: that's the mm, it's the brand.
1: It's the brand is driving it all. And yeah. that's another thing that's changed. When we were buying our first car. Japanese cars were the thing because a BMW was completely out of reach. Yeah. But now it's the.
0: Yeah, the European yeah. prestige, apart from a Volkswagen. You, yeah, you, yeah, you could pick up a cheap Volkswagen. Good. Yeah. But the BMWs, the Mercedes Benz, or. You could of... buy an
1: Audi today for 29 grand. Yeah. An A1. Like,
0: that was unheard of back then. And again, that's part of their strategy of having entry level, mm. even for premium and prestige cars. Yeah that allows someone to come in at that entry level, and then they'll hopefully try and sell them up as their uh, life stages change.
1: Well, that's why BMW bought Mini, so they didn't have to further dilute the brand to get it down into that 26, 27 grand mark in Mm -hmm. this country. I mean, obviously the the, the markers are different in every country. So you get into a Mini and you look at it, and then you go to the other side of the dealership, which was a BMW dealership, and you'll see a lot of common parts and that starts to glue you to those two brands. Mm. So if you like what's in the Mini, you you are gonna be comfortable when you get into a BMW. So there's that user experience that has become part of the marketing. I know back in the day, you you would get into a car, you'd know, you you'd line up a set of Toyotas or you'd line up a set of Hondas or whatever. Each car was quite discreet from the rest of the range, but now yeah. they have this common, and again, Aiden abetted by technology, in just about every Volkswagen now, you will get Apple CarPlay on that screen, all the way through. So, you yeah. know, get in, plug in, I'm good.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that? yeah. And even, um, you know, remember the, the good old days. You yeah. go, go to, them like, I remember having a um, an MGB. <laughs> and so you. And, 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 and SU. <laughs> issue carbies yeah. and trying to balance those Yeah, you know, it was the sort of thing now you you lift up the bonnet and it's all computer or well, it's uh, just
1: black plastic yeah, yeah.
0: And, and it's totally impenetrable yeah you know, technology even in the engine itself has made you know it's self-diagnoses I, I remember it bings at you
1: and says i've got something wrong with me it's like oh great what don't worry take me to the
0: dealer or, or you, you know, and, and now everyone has uh, roadside assistance, you know, and yeah. you call it up, and this guy turns up in a Ute, and you're thinking, oh, here comes the mechanic. No, he's like some technology <laughs> geek. He's because, twelve because <laughs> he pulls out some piece of wiring from under the dash, OBD port. Is that what it's on called? And he plugs and he plugs it in, and he sits there and he goes, oh, it's the third cylinder is misfiring on every fourth. Yeah. Now, and you go, <laughs> okay. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and he goes, it. "You need a tow truck." Yeah,
1: that's exactly what happened. That is exactly right. And and then that's the thing about that. You can actually get a little piece of hardware that talks to your phone, and you could have worked that out yourself. You lazy bastard. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's it's a standard across all the cars. It's so amazing. It's, yeah.
0: But I mean, that sort of completely changes the whole way that people, you know, like, yeah, yeah. part of, part of owning a car was the whole tinkering. You know, I I remember having to replace the spring leaf. (laughs) <laughs> on, on the MGB1 weekend it took all weekend yeah, to yeah. do it. I'm sure if I, I knew was what great. I was, yeah but I'm sure if I knew what I was doing it would have taken an hour but yeah, it, probably. it took the whole weekend uh, and it was part of the fun but it was an adventure yeah that's right and i mean uh, now you need to be you know, you feel like you have to be some computer programmer with a phd yeah. in automotive onboard electronics to and, be able to do that.
1: And it's it's funny because I remember I had this Alfa Romeo, which I adored, and it had the same, you know, twin carbis trying to balance Though I've got so many marks from where I've burnt myself because the distrib- being Italian, the distributor was right next to the exhaust manifold, which is <laughs> of <course>. extremely hot. <laughs> um, and, of course, you, you tuned it when it was warm. So, it, yeah, anyway, uh, and asbestos gloves, weren't it? We, we had worked out by then, were bad, but... Um, only if
0: you chewed them and and, and sniffed the <laughs> fibers. That, yeah. yeah, that's
1: right. But you know, anything could have gone loose in that engine and torn it up, and that uh, yeah. would have been the end of it. But um, the that experience has largely gone away in cars, and I what I think car companies have discovered is people like the rawness of that experience so, so now cars are all farting and spitting and popping yeah particularly the sporty end because that's what people remember what like people my age and your age as well we remember that cars made those noises and yeah. they became really anodyne, and then suddenly they decided, oh no, we're going to make them interesting again. And again, that's technology driving that because an engine management system just dumps unburnt fuel and makes it go bang, yeah. rather than it being out of tune. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's actually planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember uh, the MX Five, the Mi- uh, the Mazda yeah. Miata, that yeah. they they had this big thing about how they tuned the uh, the muffler oh, to give it a particular sound that was reminiscent of uh, the Lotus salon, Yes. But not exactly Please the lie. same because that could have been breaching their copyright. <laughs> yeah, it could have. As if Lotus would
1: have gone, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> Lotus wouldn't have even noticed. I mean, they were more in trouble of MG actually going, hang on, that's basically an MG. But yeah, <laughs> but more um,
0: reliable. Yeah, that, well, that's right. It actually both. works. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah, well, exactly right. Yeah, you've got a Mazda that actually turns on every time you get in yeah. it. Um, and I think uh, it, it's interesting how technology is being used to bring back that old experience but without all the bad stuff of that old experience like getting oil on your hands. Yeah. But it is interesting because a a, a friend of uh, my son's, he's a bit older, he's just bought a 1981 Corolla. Wow. And I said, oh, mate, for the money you could have bought, yeah... That, oh, it's that way older
0: than him. But that qualifies as uh, vin- <laughs> vin- vintage or veteran, one right. of those. I think 25 years it's Historic. Veteran. Historic. Hysteric. Oh, All you're right. veteran, you're right. Yeah, veteran, so, you,
1: so you're going yeah. to have to join Yeah, actually, you should do that because <laughs> it'll right. save him a lot of money. Um, but uh, he said he just wanted that really completely analogue. This wasn't how he explained it, but he wanted that analogue experience mm. that technology has taken away from cars
0: the sense of actually driving yeah. the automobile rather than yeah. just being a passenger in it. Yeah. And
1: mean, yet,
0: okay, so at the other extreme, you know, we're hearing a lot, and some people say it's 10 years away, some say 20, mm. somewhere uh, around the whole autonomous motor vehicle. Yeah. And uh, there's all sorts of crazy predictions about, you know, this will completely eliminate the idea of owning a car. Yeah. But do you think it will? I mean, because... No. I, you know, I drove to Ballarat to visit my father and yeah. I just, even the idea of catching an Uber and having it drive me, you know, have someone else drive me there feels weird compared to the idea of actually driving to Ballarat.
1: I think we're probably, we're not at that crossroad yet generationally because millennials will have learnt to drive the car. And I think... Um, I do think that the autonomous stuff is very – it's still got a long way to go. I I mean, you know, I like Teslas. I've driven them. They're very good cars, particularly considering they weren't even making cars 10 years ago. Mm. Um, But you switch on autopilot and it will run you into a gutter
0: occasionally. And that's... You don't want to hear that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: well, I certainly wouldn't want to hear it in an aeroplane. <laughs>
1: no, that's right. That's right. And there's a lot less to hit in an aeroplane, let's face it, when you're up there. but Just the earth. Yeah, just the earth. But, you know, that's a big target. Mountain. It's a big target. Yeah. But, yeah, that's right. But uh, so I do think... But I think at, at its core, the car is a status symbol. Look at me. I've got enough money to have this thing. And that's certainly what... The car makers are seeing in emerging markets, like most of Southeast Asia and, and parts of Northern Asian India. Uh, you know, the Tata Nano was brought out as the one Lark car, which I think is 100,000 repair or whatever that is. And that works out at two and a half grand Australian. So, you know, two grand US. Um, nobody bought it. They didn't want to look like a pauper. They preferred to stay on their mopeds. Yeah than buy this this car so and that had Tata really confused because they're like but hang on a minute we put it's safer it's better it's all of it. it's air-conditioned they're like yeah but I don't want people to think I can only afford a one lakh car yeah. so I think and I don't think that everyone kind of goes oh you know Asia's obsessed with status everywhere is everyone wants human beings human are, human beings with... are. That's, exactly, <laughs> that's why marketing is right yeah, yeah that's right um, and I, I was
0: gonna say what yeah. makes these things happen is marketing you know, yeah, it actually understands the deeper motivation beyond. Yeah, you know, if it was as simple as getting from point A to point B as safely and comfortably as possible, yeah. then w- there'd, be yeah, there'd be one car. <laughs> you know, there'd be one car. Yeah, Henry Ford would have been right. Yeah, you, know, you can yeah. have uh, uh, any any car you like as long as it's black. black. You know.
1: Yeah, and they tried that in East Germany. Everyone had a Trabant, and yeah. nobody wanted a Trabant because mm. <laughs> they were garbage.
0: And and I think there is still something about the car you choose, apart from being a function of what you can afford and mm. life stage, is also a reflection of you know something about the person that owns it.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I mean, I I've, 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 I tend towards small, fast. Yeah, and I don't know what that says about me. And Sigmund, if you're listening, let me know. But you know, and and people are often surprised by that. But once they get to know me, they realise that it's because it the utility of it. You know, I'm reasonably practical. <laughs> My wife will laugh when she hears that. I'm reasonably practical um, and don't need all of the stuff that you get in bigger, more expensive cars. Mm. And um, you can usually tell, you know, you go into a car park and you go into a room full of people, you can usually tell who, who owns what. The accountants all own Corolla's so have got the best resale. And blah, blah, blah. So there's a, there's a bit of that as well. But yeah,
0: I, I, apart I, from the other car at home, which yeah. they don't want to show off to everyone, <laughs> which is usually the European uh, <laughs> yeah, luxury car. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, I, I know accountants. But they're just, leasing. They, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, which they they advise their their, their customers not to do. But yeah, I, I think that that status will maintain car ownership. Okay, yeah, not as not as widespread as it is now. And you know, I was at a lunch yesterday where Audi's new. Uh, MD in Australia were saying, they're moving from a, an automotive company to an automotive mobility services company. Mm-hmm. So it's not that's not saying they're not going to make cars. Obviously, they are. What they're doing is broadening their, uh, their outlook to say, what we do is not just sell you a car. Mm. Because if you buy an Audi in Berlin, you may have a card in your pocket that enables you to swipe into an Audi in, in Stuttgart mm. and take that somewhere or in London or anywhere.
0: Yeah, I think, I think what you're right. Mm. You know, it, it's the idea, and, and going back to my millennial daughters, mm. uh, the idea is wanting the functionality but not wanting necessarily the uh, cost and yeah. the responsibility mm. of having an asset sit in front of your house or in your driveway yep. for large portions of time, which is interesting because, you know, get, getting back to autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. I can actually see that working almost as a surrogate public transport system, yes. an opt-in, opt-out in urban areas.
1: Musk, Elon Musk certainly thinks that.
0: Yeah, yeah. because... Um, uh, I remember uh, driving from Sydney to Melbourne recently mm. and seeing a Tesla owner at uh, Euroa yeah uh, plugged <laughs> there for an hour waiting even at the supercharged mm. rate uh, yep. had an hour to refuel whereas I was just there with my fossil fueled <laughs> internal <laughs> what did check. you internal combustion engine is called a ICE an ICE mm. uh, I was just there going <laughs> thank <laughs> you and I'm, I'm back on the road yep.
1: And I I mean, and that's another reason why I think it's a while that electric cars, uh, they're they're still a fair way from the tipping point. And everyone's saying, oh, yeah, the new Model 3 is where it's at. I don't think so. And if you look at the German manufacturers particularly, um, so BMW, Mercedes, Audi, Volkswagen... They're really looking – sorry, Audi's part of the Volkswagen group, so yeah. they don't share all that. They're really looking at 2025 where they'll be selling a million cars each electric per year out of mm. a fleet of – Which
0: is why hybrid has been the sort of in, uh, interim yeah. step. Yeah, definitely.
1: So it? Volvo are saying by 2019 every new car that they produce will have electrical elements. So it'll be hybrid or fully electric. Yeah. And that – so 2025, I think um, a million cars for each of those makers is ambitious. But oh, Audi didn't say they'd have a million. But um, they're certainly, they're more cautious than Tesla. Tesla's gone all in and they could because yeah. that's where they started.
0: Um, and, and they were there deliberately to disrupt yeah. the whole industry. They yeah. wanted to prove a concept mm. to disrupt the industry.
1: And they did. But it's interesting that what, it, what, hap- what I expected to happen early on did where a few car makers kind of got involved. So Toyota owned a decent chunk. Yeah. But they've divested that chunk because I think they've learned all they wanted to learn or got nothing out of it, one or the other, and have gone their own way. And everyone is going their own way. I mean, Hyundai is still fiddling around with hydrogen. Mm-hmm. So, whether that's fuel cells or. <laughs> Kaboom! Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How do we control that combustion? <laughs> well, having. You know, they, they've had a bunch, they've had a fleet of IX 35s, which is the old, what, you, what is now called the Tucson, kicking around Paris on hydrogen for the last. Two, three years? Nothing's exploded. No, I just,
0: I I actually blew up my uh, father's uh, workshop with a small hydrogen uh, (laughs) experiment as, I think I was about 15. Oh, so you're
1: uh, the inspiration for young Einstein. (laughs) Yeah, well, I
0: I understand the explosive and combustible nature of hydrogen gas, especially, when it's mixed with oxygen and ignition source. It goes bang. Yeah, Yeah. it goes bang. Which is helpful
1: in engines because when it goes bang, it produces oxygen. That's why water and water, yeah, yeah, and heat,
0: yeah, but Which, not carbon dioxide. Not
1: carbon dioxide, but <laughs> you have got to produce a lot of carbon dioxide to get the hydrogen out of the out of the water. So that's true. Yeah, so I think electric is where it is going to go, and electric's got a perception problem in Australia, particularly because of our lack of infrastructure and the government looking the other way. Um, but in places like the US, it, it's it's moving mm. and moving quickly.
0: Because um, I spend. Quite a bit of time in China. Mm. And one of the things I was... I was in Xi'an, which is in the traditional coal mining area Mm. uh, and suffers a lot from air pollution. Yeah. Every taxi I got into was an electric vehicle. Interesting. Built in China. Yes. And heavily, heavily subsidised by the government... ...for taxi drivers to drive. Interesting. Because they have said that for them, taxis are urban mm. vehicles, you know, it's yeah. not right. often people jump into a taxi in China, but mm. you imagine cities like, you know, the Shanghais, the Beijings, the Xi'ans, mm. the uh, uh, Zhangzhou's, where you've got 10 million plus people mm. in That's a urban think. infrastructure, yeah. you know, um, to have a, in quotes, low pollution. Now, the interesting thing is most of the electricity produced in Xi'an that is charging that, that fleet of taxis <laughs> is coming from coal burning. <laughs> of course but, it is. But, um, you know, well, still.
1: that, that is, I mean, burning coal at scale is more efficient than burning petrol in an engine. That, that's just the reality, mm. unless it's brown coal, in which case you've got other problems. But um, it is, a it, it, as an interim step, and China is forging ahead very quickly mm. on, on- Alternative fuels, fuels, yeah. Very new much, uh, say, a lot of the three dams. Um, <laughs> That's not Enviro, but let's not get into that. Um, But, um, yeah, so uh, electric is really being pitched as a utility vehicle, not not as a utility of the electricity companies, but as a vehicle that you don't necessarily want to own. And that's why it starts in that public transport arena, so electric buses, electric taxis. I know London taxis are going electric over the next few years. New York's new cabs are going Mm. electric. Um, they don't really make that much of a difference to the air quality of a city, but it's kind of a, a way for the government to say this is where you guys should be going. Mm.
0: Which I so I know in Hong Kong the uh, diesel buses get a really uh, heavy hit mm. from people saying you know it's a major contributor to uh, pollution, apart from the yeah. coal burning <laughs> in mainland China. Which blows down that way, but uh, they, and, they And all talk the
1: it, industry in those t- in yeah. the Pearl River Delta. I mean, really, that's where all the muck comes from, isn't it? Because on a
0: clear day, Hong Kong's beautiful, right? <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, just to change the subject mm. and also to bring it back um, to around marketing. Mm. One of the things that the automotive industry, and, and, you know, this is a bit of a sausage festival with two blokes talking <laughs> about, <that>? uh, about <laughs> the, cars. The little ladies. But it's interesting. One of the big criticisms about the automotive industry is it has been very male focused. Yes. And yet, uh, I've seen figures of between 70 and 85% of or motor de, uh, purchase decisions mm. are actually significantly influenced or made by women. Absolutely. Um, we've had in the past year, I remember, Ford did it a few years ago of really putting a push on marketing to women. And, yep. and recently, uh, General Motors in the industry made a comment about, you know, they need to be more focused on women. But mm. what what is going on with it as a category or an industry where it is a sausage festival
1: um i think just because the traditional male dominated areas of things like engineering were very much a male just was and and, yeah. and and when you when you talk to people who've worked in engineering and in design and in construction and motor in the motoring world it's all men and they they, they get in and they stay and i interviewed it's on actually the interviews on youtube i interviewed the chief engineer for the jeep compass a woman and I said how have you found it she said it's been fine she's worked for um, Chrysler for so Chrysler owns Jeep and a few other brands she's worked for them for getting on 20 years she said and she Chrysler,
0: Fiat Chry- a- so
1: Fiat, Chrysler Automotive owns Jeep, Dodge, Ram
0: yeah there's quite a few there's quite a few yeah, brands yeah, yeah. in yeah, there okay. uh, <laughs> some yeah. of them
1: can go <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> now, although the new Jeep Compass is very good right? and that's down to Audrey Audrey was her name and she said it's actually been fine she never felt that she couldn't be there right. uh, and given that she was, um, you know, working in a, a very male industry and she wasn't um, a particularly, um, she didn't strike me as someone who's really had to, to get punchy or, or, or be one of the boys and, um, you know, we talked about that and she said it was just having the skills and, and women weren't, enc- aren't, women our age, so I think we were about the same age, aren't encouraged into that that sort of mm. uh, profession and I think women generally have been scared off. I mean, I think I saw. A but even
0: even uh, sorry, but yeah. even at uh, the dealerships, you know, you walk into most dealerships, it's very male dominated world. Yeah, you know, and and when you look at the advertising and marketing, it seems to be primarily male focused. And mm. you know, we're talking about numbers like seventy and eighty percent. Yeah, of the purchase decision.
1: Yeah. Uh, so where where the premium brands have done well, and by those I mean audi particularly audi i think mm. have done quite well in the way they've de-sexed their advertising it's it's much more de-gendered de- de-gendered <laughs> de- no because uh, look yeah. you have
0: to say car advertising is quite sexy i mean yeah you know the sleek you know yeah 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 lines and photographers always say that that
1: uh, so one of the guys i work with who, who shoots video who i shoot videos with he calls himself an old TNA photographer. So he used to do stuff for Ralph and all yeah. those guys. And he was saying to me very early on when we started working together that cars. So he's and, a modern man. Yeah, he's a modern <laughs> man. He is actually. He's a great plug. And he says that photographing cars is very similar to photographing bikini models because of the curvatures and all of that stuff. And I thought and I yeah, just looked at I haven't at
0: it. met many bikini models that have so many reflective surfaces. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I know most of the uh, cinematographers think- say the hardest thing about shooting a video of a car is is it's got all these reflective surfaces. Yeah. And when you pick up bad reflections, it just destroys the line of it the does. vehicle. Which, you know, um, automotive designers spend a lot of time, apart from wind tunnels to make sure that the air passes over yeah, efficiently, lot, yeah. they also want visual appeal.
1: Yeah, and, and it's interesting because we, there's a phrase that, that not just journalists but enthusiasts use. They say, that car looks like it's come from a wind tunnel and the mclaren the first, mclaren's first car in their modern era of creating cars was the mp412c and it looked like it had just come out of a, a wind tunnel mm. and now they almost like a wedge just, yeah it was just basically a wedge with a flat yeah. front and, and now did not have curves it was yeah it was very not curvy whereas the the new mclaren the 720s um the designer likes to say it looks like it was shaped by the wind, not in the wind, which is quite nice. It's quite a nice way to say it. And when you see the car, you think, actually, yeah, it looks like a stone that's eroded. Anyway, so going back to what Audi's done, they've really managed to... You you really actually see people in Audi advertising. So you see the car Mm. and it's always in a neutral tone like a silver or or something Mm. like that. And the... It doesn't seem to be speaking to a particular gender. It's it's speaking to a particular market and that's generally people over thirty-five.
0: Yeah. Okay, so yeah. th- so this is the point. Yeah. They've gone to neutral. Mm. But do you can you think of any automotive manufacturer that is actually specifically aimed at, at women? As in had women in the in the Um, advertising or marketing or even had a very specific skew towards
1: appealing to women. You get individual models that are like that. So if you look at the current Mazda 2 ad in Australia, there are three humans in it and they're all women. Mm -hmm. And um, the... So the two, I think, about... I I could be wrong, so (laughs) don't quote me, but I think it's about 70% of buyers are women. Mm. Uh, And the Nissan Micra... Uh, we were talking about this yesterday on the radio actually so I've got my figures almost right the Nissan Micra has what sound like a patronising kind of oh you know this is for the little ladies but you could there, there was a there's a tray underneath the passenger seat that's big enough to put a pair of shoes in it
0: because women mm. have Drive told drive-ins yeah um, sneakers yeah, it's exactly joggers, right yeah. so well it's dangerous driving in high heels I, I know I've, yes. I've tried it
1: many times <laughs> it's Saturday night's your thing right mm. yeah um, so the There, there've always been individual models, but what has changed, and because of that figure you're talking about, seventy-five to eighty percent, I think women are very much uh, one of the forces behind the rise of the SUV, Mm -hmm. because their parents told them you want to be up high, you feel you're safer up there, Uh, and you know women um, generally are. Physically smaller, so to have the bulk around them, it's a it's a safe kind of environment in those bigger cars. And and I know that um, the attention that I get in cars like a Q7 or an X3 is is very much uh, female skewed. Like mm-hmm. uh, men are interested in the X5M, you know, the fast one with the V8. Women are interested in can I get seven kids, seven people into this? Can I do this kind of that? So, so yeah. it's a it's a practical element. This that, that, is, that is
0: easy to park. Is do I feel safe? Yeah, you know,
1: yeah. And I think some of the some of the early autonomous stuff, like auto parking, was driven by female customers mm. uh, as well. Uh, I remember BMW saying years ago, "We're not going to have auto parking on our cars." So why does this car have auto parking? Well, a lot of our female customers
0: wanted it. And, and they're a significant part of the market. That's right. They? And
1: they're busier in the car than most men are because they're often the ones dragging the kids to school and soccer. and. Da, 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 see, I've, I've,
0: I've, I've got a hypothesis, Peter, which is that the dealers rarely see women come in to do the deal on the car. I think
1: you're absolutely right.
0: So the, from a dealer's perspective, and we know that dealers have a huge influence on the factory and the marketing mm. because they say, you know, we're ultimately where the purchase decision is. Yep. Because women... Often Often don't feel comfortable going into that environment to buy a car. Mm. From a dealer's point of view, all purchase decisions are made by men. Yeah. And the bit that they're missing is he is sent there yeah. to buy yeah. this car with this configuration, with the uh, and, yeah, and, and, yeah. This and this and this and this colour because that's what she needs. Yes. To fulfil her needs. And she's been able to sit on
1: the internet at home on her phone and build that car. Hmm. Which, again, was something like if you came home with a brochure, you know, my wife, actually, he's a great example of of just that.
0: So that's my disconnect. Yeah. My disconnect is that all the research is telling them that women are such big decision makers. Yeah. But the practicality is they're not actually going to buy it. I'm sure if women could yeah. buy a car on the internet, if they built it yes. and then just went like that yeah. and got a deal. Subaru's doing that. Yeah. yeah. They, would, they would find that suddenly the number of women making those decisions is... I think you're dead, ...infinitely right? different to the ones that go into a dealership.
1: Yeah. And again, when you walk into a dealership from one of the, particularly the German premiums, there will be more than one female dealer in there mm-hmm. and they will go straight to the women. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, car dealers generally are dinosaurs, particularly the blokes. It's a very testosterone charged environment. They've got to sell, 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 sell. It's all about volume. And so it's that whole kind of Wolf of Wall Street vibe. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked in car dealers, they're terrifying. <laughs> like Robert, they just it is uh, really like
0: going. Apart from Peter Warren, <laughs> yeah. uh, and this segment's brought to you by Peter <laughs>
1: Warren Motors. <laughs> but it's—I mean, it is—it is—it is a very—and um, you know, men are terribly competitive, and that's why I think again they dominate sales. I've worked I've years for years. I worked in IT where most of the sales people were men, mm. and and I think that's the problem that the automotive industry has as far as marketing to women is that 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 weak link is the dealer. Mm. And I, w- I would contend, I, I have a theory that if I were to fly to Beijing next week and go into car dealers, I will see far more female uh, dealers yep. than I do in Australia.
0: Salespeople, Yep. On Absolutely. the floor,
1: yep. ready to transact. Do whatever. And I, I think women find it difficult here because every dealer principal I've ever met is over 60. So he's not hiring women. Well, all they want to do is have kids or all they want to do is this or or their trouble or whatever, you know. It's all garbage, of course.
0: And yet it's interesting because in the whole decision-making process, they really are that what Google call it, the last 10 metres. Yeah, the know, last, like, the final mile. Yeah, yeah the last mile. <laughs> where, where, yeah, sure, the decision's made, but the fact is that no one goes into a dealer anymore just to suss it out. Yeah. The, a lot of the purchase decisions Absolutely being made done. online, you know, talking to friends, working yep. out what the yep. options are. Reading In, car journalists. Yeah, reading, reading <laughs> reviews, yeah. you know, about, and, and then even hunting around to see what the price range is. Yep. Because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the market is driven by, you know, pricing and offers, yep. especially towards the end of every month. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then, you know, it's just a matter of going and closing the deal. Yeah. And it's interesting because when
1: I used to buy cars, I would actually take my wife because she took all the emotion out of it mm. because she didn't care. She just wanted the cheapest car she could get her hands on that I wanted. Mm. So I'd say, I want that car. She'd say, Great. Just you, you stand over because there. Because she's not
0: emotionally attached to the outcome. Yeah, yeah.
1: You stand over there, I'll sort this out. And she'd knock five grand off it, make the guy cry, and get floor mats thrown in. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, and that's another reason why I think the dealers go towards the men because the men.
0: It's an emotional decision.
1: It is an emotional decision. For They're lot thinking
0: of men. with their other brain. That's
1: right. <laughs> or their other, other brain. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think, uh, you know, I've met a lot of men who. Oh, i got a great deal on this car. No, you didn't. You really didn't get a good deal on this. And the wife will go, yeah. You know, like they roll their eyes and say, I was there and I watched him get sucked into this stuff. Uh, uh, and I think that's really interesting. I, I do find women are much more practical at buying cars, which I think dealers don't like. So they push them away and it creates that sort Or cycle. create an
0: environment that's not mm. uh, inviting for women to attend. I went into a
1: redacted uh Australian automotive manufacturer who is no longer a manufacturing cars, dealer for the first time in ages, and I thought, I don't want to be here. It's a very masculine, what my wife would call a masculine environment, just the way all the furniture was, and um, you know, faded black and white stuff on the walls that did, like, didn't present well. And I thought a woman is not, most women are not going to come in here and feel comfortable buying a car in here, and I, I think that's again, it comes down to the dealer. No matter how much work is done at that marketing and PR level if you go into a dealer and it's all wrong they're in trouble
0: that's right yeah.
1: and i think you know one of the german brands has that has that problem they're very masculine environments mm-hmm. and yeah that that ruins all the work that's done up until then
0: look and and i don't you know, we've been talking about automotive because you're yeah. an automotive journalist but i think that same it, it it's more pronounced in automotive because it is traditionally been, as you mm. say, a very male-dominated category. Mm. But I think a lot of different categories suffer from the same thing, that there is this... Mm. They, they they rather than think about male and female, they'll either go gender-neutral... Yeah. ..and yet in almost every category, including things like... I, I remember um, talking to someone about... The axe links? Yeah. The, yeah right? Yeah, yeah. It was all aimed at young young teenage men about you'll be sexually successful. Yeah. The it was turning away the main buyers of that product, which Their was mums. women, yeah, mums <laughs> and girlfriends who yeah, were buying right. it for guys yeah. because they stank. Yeah, I'm and I'm it was right. better to buy they bought this because yeah, he'll like it yeah. and it'll smell better than he does. <laughs> you know? yeah. So why not make it? So that you're actually appealing to the audience.
1: I I agree. And I I think, again, I'm I'm picking on Audi a lot here, but in in a good way, obviously. I look at the way they've advertised the Audi Q2, which is a new compact SUV. It is, by all objective measures, a chick's car. It is aimed fairly and squarely at women, but that is not how it's advertised. It is advertised as a lifestyle vehicle for young people who want to get out there, go surfing, do this, do that, you know, and it's it's
0: it's not aimed at women. So I'm wondering then if it's a bit like women, uh, beer for women. <laughs> yeah. Every time they've tried to make a beer and market a beer for women, women don't drink it yeah. because they don't want to drink a beer for women. And they don't they want to be told. A drink. Yeah, they yeah. want to drink a beer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, if they're going to have a beer, they're going to have a beer. They don't want the beer that was just made for them. Yeah. <laughs> Could it be that automotive is the same? And yeah. maybe it's just about breaking down the barriers. Maybe, you know, what was the example Audi you yeah. used, that where they go for gender neutral, mm. then it's just breaking down the barriers that allow women to participate more in that purchase process.
1: Yeah, women really dig Audi. They, they dig the brand. Like, yeah. they're all over Audi. And I think that's... I've been quite struck by that. Over the because as their their marketing has evolved into that you know degendered kind of um, look and feel um, it it and the fascinating thing I find about it is that that there are a lot of women in Audi particularly locally like basically the entire PR team apart from one person is female mm. um, and that seems to be reflected across the company uh, that there are a lot of women working in it and I, I find that interesting that that seems to have had an effect, that the more women who are working in it and the Germans do seem more progressive, it just seems to be working its way through. So, uh, although having said that, a lot of the PR, even for the, you know, high-end sports cars, which are very male, it's all done by women. The marketing Mm. is done by women, which I find very interesting.
0: Peter, it's been great catching up. It has been. Thanks for your time. Hey, um, just one question. Mm. So what does the automotive journalist drive home in from this uh, chat? E